like 788 or something like that, or 688. 689. 689 in the blue Bibles. In the white Bibles, I want to say it's like page 12 or something like that. 15. Right around there. Page 689 in the blue. So Matthew chapter 11. uh, Title of the message is Pause. Take a load off and give it to God. So we're going to be talking about taking a load off, trying to give it to God. What does that even mean? Uh, it sounds nice and it sounds pretty spiritual and like something we should do, but what does it look like? So we're going to talk about some of that stuff. Um, but first, I want to take a look at, um, you know, I asked that question about what makes you laugh. You know, what happened in the past couple of weeks that makes you laugh? Uh, I spent a lot of time around high school kids, obviously, teaching, uh, but also within the past few weeks, hanging around with a lot of really younger ones. Like little kids, like around Jaren's age, and three years old, and four years old, and five years old. And they just walk around and run around just laughing and having fun all day long. Like you follow them around for 10 minutes. They've already laughed like 20 times at stuff. And it's great when uh, we were over at a friend's house last night, and we were talking and laughing about, you know, grown up stuff. And Jaren just sees us laughing, and he's just laughing. Ha 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 ha. Just laughing right with it. He has no idea, but we're laughing and having fun. Um, and it, it just, uh, you know, as we get older, you know, it just it doesn't quite seem to happen like that. And, uh, you know, as far as Jesus is concerned, I think that it seems to be that most of us don't really maybe think of Jesus as kind of like this joyful guy, maybe that had fun, um, had a good time. I don't know if he played games with people. Like, I don't, I don't know, you know. But he did, and it says that he was human like us. And uh, this morning, we're, we're going to see a little bit as far as, like, what brings him joy? Like, what's his thing? What is he into? Um, that kind of intrigues me. Like, yeah, like, what, what, like, makes him come alive? And usually the stuff that we enjoy that brings us joy, it kind of says something about us, what we value, what we think is important. So we're going to look at some of that today. I mean, some people walk around life kind of with that face on, you know, especially as you get older. You know, they just have a real salty look on their face, and it's just... Um, you know, not that fun to be around. And some of us might think of Jesus like that sometimes. You know, maybe this person who just went around, talked like in these holy words and parables, and did these miracles. But, I don't know, it's maybe a little bit difficult. Maybe sometimes where people think of him as like this joyful person. I mean, it says in the Bible that the joy of the Lord is my strength. And if Jesus is the type of person that he says he is, this close to God, this connected to him, man, he was probably pretty rich with joy. Because he knew the Lord, he knew the God, his Father, pretty well. So this morning we're going to talk about a few things. We're going to talk about um, the interests and values in Jesus. Like what brings him joy? Because within that, we'll take a look at some interests and values that Jesus actually has. What's he interested in? What, what like, means a lot to him? What's like his values? I think that's a good question to ask, something to look at. We're also going to look at some apparent biblical con- contradictions. We're going to look at one passage where it's like, what is the deal? Does it mean this or does it mean that? And in fact, in the Bible, it says this one thing. And in another place in the Bible, it says another thing. So what exactly are we supposed to think about it? And I always like looking at that because I think there's a lot of value to it. So we'll look at some contradictions. And then while we look at everything, we're going to keep our key idea at the focus and at the forefront. And within your bulletins, I tried to give you a little bit of an outline with some fill-ins too to help out if you take notes. Um, 
because sometimes I know that kind of thing uh, helps out. Does anybody need pens at all anyways? Because Keith will give her some pens if you need any to write anything down or uh, maybe even something that happens somewhere else in your brain but you're like, oh, I've got to write this down. If you need pens, just raise your hand. Keith will grab them for you. But the key idea, key phrase, no Jesus, no God, right? No Jesus, if we know who he is, not N-O, but K-N-O-W. If we know Jesus, we know God. So we're going to take a look at some of that stuff. So now that you're already at Matthew 11, I'm going to ask you to go to Luke 10 and just keep your finger there. So Luke 10, we'll read through Matthew 11 in a minute. But Luke 10, I just want you to put your finger there. So Luke 10, page 734. So be at Luke 10. And just put your finger right on there. Just keep it there. So let's read through Matthew 11, and then I'll tell you why I had you put your finger over in Luke. So here's what happens. Here's what Jesus says. He says, At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned, and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal them. And then Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, if you flip over to that Luke 10 and just take a look at verse 21, right? In the Bible... Right? Multiple people wrote multiple parts. And sometimes if someone uh, writes, they have a little bit of a different take. So Luke and Matthew each wrote a book. Luke's take on the same situation we're reading about is a little bit different. He uses different wording. So chapter 10, verse 21, it says, At that time, Jesus full of... What's that word? Joy. Joy, right? That's the one we're very interested in. Through the Holy Spirit said... I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. So it says, Jesus filled with joy, and then he gave praise to God. So, what is going on in this passage here? How did we get to this spot? Well, Basically, at this spot where Jesus is, he's like, right now, out in public, thanking God, a prayer basically, thanking God for what his disciples, followers, have just experienced. What have they experienced? Well, we left off um, last week about uh, Jesus reinforcing this message, really, of repentance, right? And staying with that. And John the Baptist's message. And so one thing I didn't... I don't think I clearly really established last week was that back in chapter 10, kind of before that, remember there was a training session and we talked about how Jesus was with, kind of with his group and he said, listen, you guys are going out. He said, you've seen me kind of live this way, uh, do these miracles, interact with people. He said, now I'm going to impart that to you. Like it's your turn to go out and experience this life. And what he did is he kind of gave him a training session. He said, here's what to expect. Here's what you need to do. Um, 
and it really wasn't all that inspiring. In fact, it was kind of scary. Uh, so it wasn't really much of a sales pitch. But nonetheless, he was telling them the truth. And so then they went out. So now they go out on this trip and they experience this life that Jesus has been doing. And then they come back and they're super excited like little kids. They come back and they're like, oh my goodness, I prayed for this person and they got healed. Um, we had this person that we thought was dead and we prayed in your name and all of a sudden they rose again to their feet. We had families like restored. They lived it. They were in it. They were doing what Jesus was doing. And so they come back and they are super excited because they didn't have any formal training. They didn't you know, have their seminary degree. They didn't go to college. They weren't well educated. All they had was maybe we could call it an internship with Jesus for a little while where they knew Jesus. They kind of walked with him. They experienced what he did and saw what he did. And then he prayed for him, and they just went out. And many times that's what Jesus does. I mean, he doesn't um, qualify, in a sense, a lot of us with a lot of schooling and education a lot of times. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't. He's looking for people that know him and know his heart intimately and that are willing to maybe go out and take a risk for him. And those are the people that then get to experience what the disciples are experiencing, just all this joy. Oh my gosh, I came back. Right, sometimes people go on these mission trips, right? A mission trip is when, you know, some people get uh, together. They usually raise money or use their own money. And they'll go to some place. Sometimes it'll be here in America. A lot of times it'll be overseas. And uh, what they'll do is beforehand, they'll meet together as a group. They'll talk about where they're going, kind of get details of the landscape, talk with other people that have been there. And they'll kind of find out what they're supposed to do. And many times, whenever they get to wherever they're going, it all kind of changes because um, it just doesn't always go according to plan. God, sometimes God has other plans. And then people are removed from their surroundings. They're in some place totally new, totally foreign, and many times uncomfortable. And really, all they have left is like, wow, now I, I am going to pray a lot because this food sitting in front of me, I don't know if I'm going to get sick and get something from it. So now those, you know, uh, prayers before meals carry a lot of weight. Now I'm really serious. Like, God, really thank you, but please help me not to get sick from this. Like, please touch this. And God, we're going out on the street among these people. I have no idea who they are. You know, keep us safe and watch over us. Like, everything's carrying a lot more weight now. And when you talk with people that have gone on these type of trips and have committed themselves to, to doing something like that, they come back, and they're a lot like these people. They're giddy. They're happy. They're like, oh my gosh, God did so many awesome things. It was so amazing. And Jesus just loved it. Just loved it. And so one of the traits we're going to look at this morning was his joy. So we have, on the first part that we're going to look at, the first part we're going to look at is Jesus' joy. Because this word joy... <coughs> will kind of show us what's important to Jesus, where his values are at, where his interests are at. What's he get excited about? Does Jesus get excited? I think many times I think of him as like mild-mannered kind of guy. Does he get excited? Does he get high? You know, does he get low? Like, how does it work out with him? And that's why we read <clears throat> that Luke passage. Because that word joy doesn't happen in the Matthew passage. For whatever reason, Matthew didn't put it in. But Luke did. And so, Jesus is at this place where he's so full of joy and excitement where he just starts to praise God immediately. 
And so it's a worthwhile question for us to ask. When was the last time we were ever filled to so much like joy and thanks where we just went, oh, God, thank you. This is awesome. This is tremendous. Thank you. Maybe it's never happened. Maybe it has happened. Maybe it hasn't happened in a while. I don't know. But hopefully, we get to have that experience. And that's where Jesus is at. He's like, oh man, this is great. Thank you so much. And I think it's intriguing to see that because uh, Jesus realizes they just caught a glimpse and a snapshot of what life could really be like. That's what brought him joy. They got to see like what this life, what these sacrifices, what this different life with you know a different goal, a different perspective is all about. They got to see the end result, the product, the fruit of it. And he's like, yes, they're seeing some of this now. And that's what got him excited. They got a snapshot, a glimpse of heaven. If you think back at some of those moments, um, I don't know, you know what they might be for you. It might be a marriage or it might be the birth of a child. Um, I don't know, depending on how a week is going sometimes. You know, maybe it could just be the little things. Um, you know, you made a home and you didn't know if you would because the gas tank was real low and you had no cash or, um, you know, somebody uh, brought over a dinner or a meal. I mean, who knows, you know, how it could be going. But what I'm concerned about and the question that I'm interested in is why is Jesus this, experiencing this type of joy in public? And what does that say about him? I'd like to be able to answer that question. Why is he like, experiencing this joy? And what does that say about the kind of guy that he is? Why is he so happy about it? Well, we looked about, at it already. He's excited and joyful Right? He is excited and joyful when we get to experience life as he knows it. See, his perspective, his vantage point is so much different. He's actually seeing, like, we could just be here. We have, there's this whole other realm going on that we don't even see, might not even be conscious of. We have no idea what could be going on in this spiritual realm right now. The Bible tells us that there's angels, that there's demons, and that there's whole thing going on we have no idea about. And in fact, in the Bible, it talks about Jacob early on in Genesis, where he was uh, basically on his way somewhere, and he was tired for a night, and he slept, and as he fell asleep, he started to actually see what was going on around him, and he saw these angels, and um, he saw just a glimpse of heaven, and he's like, oh my gosh, I had no idea any of this was going on. I couldn't, didn't feel anything, I didn't, but then, you know, God gave me a glimpse of it. And then talks about it later on in the Bible as well where these armies were coming and there's Elijah and they were really outnumbered and they were in trouble. And kind of Elijah's sidekick there. Elisha is like, hey, uh, we're in trouble. Maybe we should retreat. We're totally outnumbered. And he's like, no, you don't understand. He's like, we have somebody also fighting with us. And he's like, really? Because I see thousands. We are down by a lot. It's stacked against us. And then he's like, Lord, let him see what I see right now. And he lifted his eyes up and he just saw all these legions of angels that they had on their side with them. There's a whole other vantage point. And Jesus knew it. But we just, you know, are, if you're like me anyways, you're thick, you know. It's tough to get through. Get easily distracted. We get easily down. 
we doubt easily. And then all the stuff that we thought we believed and when things get difficult, it's like, oh man, I don't even know anymore. I don't really even know what's going on. And then that could cause us to get complacent and question a lot of things. But Jesus was so excited that they had a chance to experience a little bit because once you get a taste of who God really is, who Jesus is and what He can do, you don't even want to go back to some other part in life that maybe used to be important to you. You don't even want to. It doesn't even interest you. It's just like, that is just, no. Don't want that. Don't want that. See, Jesus knew. Colossians 1.16 says, All things have been created through Him and for Him. All things, us, trees, grass, the earth, have been created through Him and for Him. That's what the Bible says. And so we have been created through God and for God. And Jesus knows that, man, when they start living life on my terms, and they get a glimpse of that, they're going to realize how much better it really is. See, so much time, so many times, we can think of the Christian life as just like all these rules and regulations of like, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. When in many times, we could also look at it as somebody else knows the entire story and they're setting up protective barriers for us. And maybe we want to hide behind those barriers and say, whoa, 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 no. I need that barrier there. Because if I venture out, I could get into trouble. We could see them as rules and regulations that are looking to hurt us. Or we could see them as barriers and guards from somebody who knows us better and knows the whole story. Jaron has no idea why we're yelling at him half the time not to climb on the stairs or not to get on the radiator cover. But he found out this morning why he shouldn't climb on the radiator cover. Because that thing will come tumbling down on top of him and he's not going to like it very much. He didn't get hurt. But it was enough to wake him up and then the next time he crawled over to it, I think he touched it, he looked back at us and he'd just say, you know, I forget about it and just was crawling around on the ground. Right? But he wanna think thinks mom and dad are just trying to give him a hard time, you know, or be difficult. He wants what he wants. And boy, do we, you know, see that a lot in little kids. Oh my gosh, they want what they want. And I really don't think, honestly, it's a lot different, you know, than myself. I want what I want. And, you know, we think that we're pretty smart and we're gonna do nice and good things with it. But God really knows the whole true story. And he knows our hearts and maybe what we might actually do with things. And so Jesus is really like a parent in the way. He's like, oh my gosh, my son, my daughter. They're going to go through. They're going to make a good decision. They're experiencing life that I have for them. Like that's what it's like. It's almost like paternal kind of pride. And there's all kinds of movies based on themes that are like that where maybe a guy or a girl, you know, um, meets some other, you know, guy or girl, a maid and the friends and the family are like, man, you should really go with that one. You know? But then there's this other one over here that's like so cool and so fun and so whatever, but it's not a good fit for them. You know? And the whole movie is just this whole drama around the better choice, but how it's like, oh, you know, I don't really know if I want that. And then when they make the good choice, the family's like, yes. Everybody's like, yes. You know, they did it. And I'm hoping that you know, when our son gets older and if we have more, you know, when they get older, 
They hopefully make those right choices at a point in time where we don't have to force it on them. They actually want to. And that's kind of similar to where Jesus is at. They're starting to experience it, and he knows it's going to give them a hunger for more. And they won't have to be forced to live out this life now. They're actually going to want it because they know what's in store for them. So that's what Jesus is interested about. He's interested about us catching a glimpse of seeing life how he sees it. <clears throat> Unfortunately, it's very difficult for us in this distracting day and age where we're just plugged in and connected and just busy with all kinds of other things all the time. All the time. So one trait that we see from Jesus is certainly his joy. His joy about them experiencing life as he knows it. The second trait that we see from Jesus is a desire. We see him celebrating a thankful, joyous prayer, and then we see a desire. In verses 27 through 30, we'll take a look at it again. It says, All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. And then He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So, it is Jesus' desire. What is it? That's our second point. It is his desire for us to know him and to run to him. That's really what Christ's desire is for us. For us to know him and then for us to run to him. That's his desire. That's what he wants us to do. That's what led up to that joyous prayer that he gave. And many times as you read through the Bible, when those two things happen, that's when joy comes. But the question is, and I think it's a fair question, you know, why? Why does it matter so much to him uh, if we know him and if we run to him or not? Why? I think it's a good question. Well, the answer to the why, I think that when we know him, when we know him, then we can model him. When we know him, when we know Jesus, then we can model him. Because it says right there, we just read, it says, All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. And so basically the deal goes like this. Jesus showed up as a perfect representation of who God is. They say God incarnate. Right? God incarnate. And so if we are very familiar and know who that God incarnate is, who, what he did, how he lived, who he hung out with, how he carried himself, the things that were important to him. Once we know that and have experienced it, then we can model it. We can actually go out and show that because that's the deal. That's what Christians are called to do. It says, whoever claims to live in him must, love, must live as Jesus lived. And so that's kind of the sticking point there. Many times people say, the difference between heaven and hell is 18 inches. 
18 inches. And what do they mean by the 18 inches? They mean from their head to their heart. Right? What do you mean the head to the heart? Well, to the head, meaning there are a lot of people who are very smart that know a lot about this book. They know it inside and out. They know where places are, where passages are. Um, they're really good at it. And in fact, in Jesus' day, same thing. They had the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the scribes. They knew the Old Testament, because that's all they had. They didn't have what we have. They knew the Old Testament inside and out. They knew that thing. And Jesus said, listen, you think that by knowing all of that, that you're going to have eternal life. He said, that's not the way it works. He said, you actually got to put that stuff in practice and have it be a part of you. Then you'll be good. See, there's a transfer that's got to happen from the head to the heart until we actually put those things into place and experience life like Jesus, it's going to be very difficult for us to really say we're a Christian. We could say we know a lot about the Bible or we know a lot about Christianity. But it's a whole other thing to kind of live it out like Jesus did. And we've got to look at the way he lived his life. He put others' people first almost all the time. Sacrifice was just a regular thing for him to do. We read multiple times that he would get up by himself after a long, busy day where you're tired. Who knows what that's like? A long, busy day and you're tired and he would get up early by himself. Away from people. And I could come up, I don't know about you, but I can convince myself of a hundred arguments of why I should not get up early because it wouldn't be good for me, it wouldn't be healthy, I wouldn't be ready for the day, blah, 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 blah. Right? He didn't care. He would get up by himself get that quality time with God that he needed because who knows what the next day had for him. And he knows how vulnerable he might be to Satan in his schemes, being tired and down. Right? He knew this. this is the way that he lived his life. This is what he did. Regularly put himself in uncomfortable and difficult situations not because he was glutton for punishment but because he knew they might be opportunities for God to show up. I mean, these are things that we have to like ingrain. If we're going to call ourselves Christians and follow after God like that, they've got to be a part of our life. And it certainly involves some discomfort. And it certainly involves faith and taking risks. It does. But the question is, are we going to be courageous enough to take those risks? And many times, those risks and challenges, um, they happen with inside of us. God might speak to us and say, you know what? You should go do that. Or you should go say this. Or you should step out in this way. And nobody else sees that. Only we really do. And we'll know if we respond to that or not. Nobody else is going to check up on us. So that's kind of like the life that Jesus you know, lived here. And if we're going to say that we follow after him and that we're Christians we have to at least be going in that direction. None of us will be perfect at it. And I'm not saying that we should, you know, all be, you know, Jesus, because it's not possible. But we should be striving and going towards it in that direction. And our lives will change. It certainly will change for the better. Um, so if we know Him, then we can model Him. Right? Why does Jesus desire this? Because He wants us to know Him. But what about the run to him part? What about the run to him? Because we said it's his desire for us to know him and run to him. So if we know him, then we can model him well. We could be a good model. We could be like an extension of God. Not perfectly, 
you know, we're going to mess up and people are going to call us hypocrites and they'll probably be right for the most part, but we'll be honest with them about kind of, you know, where we messed up, where we did slip up. But why does he want us to run to him? What is that all about? So when we run to him, then we can rest in him. When we run to him, then we can rest in him. And that's really the goal. Verse 28, powerful verse. says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And verse 28, come to me. Does that mean like just Christians, just people that Jesus likes, just people that are doing good, that are like on a good swing, you know, they just uh, quit, you know, doing whatever, and they're like on a good track now. No, everyone, come to me. Whoever you are, whatever you're doing, come to me. Right there. That's a good, great, excellent start. And so many times, that's the difficult part, is the come to me part. Because we are busy, we're working, we got families, we got friends, we got stuff to do. And Jesus says, when you are weary, burdened, just got a lot going on, and it seems difficult, that's when he says, come to me. And that's almost like the last thing we want to do. I don't have time for this right now, God, to sit down and be quiet and, you know, wait for something you might do. But Jesus says, hey, listen, it's going to be worth it. Something will happen. you got to do it. Come to me. That's the first part. It's difficult. But the call is for all of us. It says, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Those terms, weary and burdened, um, in the original language, it kind of refers to just like having a heavy load, just, you know, trying to carry around like an elephant or something or like a piano, just having something heavy on your back and you're just like, uh, you're just getting squeezed because you can't breathe. You just feel like life is just weighing down, right? Just weighing down. You can't see a light at the end of the tunnel. You are just beat. And he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you'll find rest for your souls but my, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I think this is one we can certainly all relate something we can all relate to because if we do fill in the blank, right? We'll do fill in the blank game right now, right? I start it, you guys finish it, okay? Because I think everybody could do it because we're all familiar with these phrases, okay? So I am at my wits. There you go. Throw in the... Yep, call it. That was the last straw, right? Straw our time. Right, we're familiar with these things, right? We've probably said them, we've heard them uh, said. And uh, we can totally relate to just being, oh my gosh, that is it. You can definitely understand that. It's been said that we are hurried, worried, and then buried. Hurried, worried, and then buried. So for a lot of people, that could summarize life. Sad. Right? But we're all called to come. That's what we're all called to do. All of us. And it's not necessarily meant to be just like event session. And I think I've shared with you before about a friend of mine at work, like, I don't know, maybe 10 years or so ago. And we were uh, out to dinner and we were talking about Jesus and prayer. And I'm not even quite sure how it came up. 
and uh, we were talking, I don't even know how it came up. But anyways, we were talking about Jesus and God in prayer. And uh, one of the girls turns to me, she goes, you know what, that's really great. And what I was doing, I was telling her about how something was happening in life and I was just, it was difficult, I was having a hard time dealing with it. And uh, I was like, you know, what really helps, you know, for me, um, is that I know that God's in my life. I know that He cares. I know He's interested. I said, and uh, I just give Him honest prayers. And if I'm frustrated or mad or discouraged, like, I'll tell Him about it. And she goes, you know what? That's great. That's really good therapy. And I was like, uh. And I didn't say anything after that. And I was like, oh, no. You know, like, no. But that stuck with me. I was like, it's not, like, just therapy stuff. There's something, there's definitely is something soothing and helpful about getting out things that are bothering you. Certainly helpful. And in fact, it's even like a good technique and that's even encouraged to do. And that's not a bad thing. But if there's a God that's out there, and if it's the God of the Bible that you know, we believe in, that actually cares and will actually intervene into the situation and into our hearts, and into maybe the people that are also involved, that's a whole nother thing. That's a whole nother thing. It's not just a vent session, but now we are actually opening a door for God to do a work. And then we might actually see more than just our frustration that's actually at play. Because so many times when we are that weary and tired and burdened, all we see is that. Oh my God, I don't have it anymore. I, I can't do it but there's actually even more going on. And God could maybe even be at work. And it's hard to see if we kind of have tunnel vision just on our own thing. But why does He call us to come? Because He says this thing called a yoke. This thing called a yoke. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And we got a picture of a yoke up here. And a, uh, a yoke was something that they would use. They'd tie two oxen uh, into it and they plow a field right that's a yoke right there we don't really use that stuff really anymore but they do in other countries that's kind of still the way that they get their fields ready they tie up a couple of big strong animals and uh, they go plow a field and in the back they have almost like a tilling type uh, tool they hook them up to the oxen and uh, they would go plow up the fields and you hope they're about the same size, same strength. Because you get one that's kind of like really jacked up and going hard. And you got this little one like, it's gonna, you know, veer off course. And it's very difficult. It'll be all over the place. Um, or if you get two little weak ones, you know, it's, it's not going to work out that good. So Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you. Not necessarily a yoke like that, I said, but take my yoke. And his yoke is kind of a different picture than that. So if we could put like ourselves on the left and Jesus on the right, you know. Jesus on the right carrying that thing all of a sudden it's not really this big heavy yoke of wood anymore it's like this little styrofoam almost kind of custom fitted type yoke it's not that heavy anymore and I say custom fitted because when they would actually build and make those yokes the carpenters would form it to kind of the next size of the animals and so when we take Jesus' yoke we're yoked together with him, however you want to look at it. It's lighter and it's custom fitted to us, to where he knows exactly what we can handle and what we can't handle. 
totally custom fitted to us. So my yoke is certainly going to look different than somebody else's. And he knows that and he knows why he's doing that. And so we're encouraging. He says, hey, listen, come to me. It's, the burden's going to be easy. It's going to be light. That's what he's drawing us in with. And that's what he's praying about. Which leads me to our apparent biblical contradiction. What is this contradiction that I'm talking about? Well, there's this passage later on in Matthew. We haven't gotten to it yet, but we looked at it, I think maybe a little bit a few weeks ago. Matthew 16, 24. It says, Whoever wants to be my disciple, wants to be a follower of Jesus, must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Right? You may have even heard that before. may have even read that before. And then... We see our passage today from Jesus again. Jesus said both these things. Our passage today of an easy yoke and a light burden. That seems to be a little contradictory to me. Whoever wants to be a follower must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. That sounds like hard. That sounds like sacrifice. That sounds like sweat. That sounds like effort. That sounds difficult. And then the last part, it says a passage, right, of an easy yoke and a light burden. So what is the deal? What's going on? Well, I guess that means the Bible is not that accurate, and we should throw away and just kind of just cancel this whole deal altogether. It's probably what that means, right? No, no. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it's a good question, though. Don't you think it's a good question? Something certainly worthwhile to think about. Um, here's what I think uh, it means what Jesus is talking about. I think both parts really actually happen. I think both parts actually happen. What am I talking about? Isn't that convenient to say both? Well, here's what I think uh, is going on. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. That is like in reference to taking up your cross. What does that mean? Take up your cross, deny yourself. You know, what does it even mean? Well, when Jesus, before he went to the cross, right, he had to carry it himself. Physically take it himself. And then it said that he got so tired and just beat down from carrying it that as far as he was going, they actually picked the guy out of the crowd and said, hey, listen, he can't take it, obviously, so now you take it. Had on their backs, and then Jesus went up, you know, crucified on that cross. And when he was crucified on that cross, was Jesus himself, his fleshly body. And the last thing he said before he died, he said, it is finished. The last thing he said, what was he talking about? It's finished. Was his life finished? Eh, partially. It, 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 not my life. It is finished. The work of my payment for people's sins, it's finished. I've done it. I've lived out my short time here. I was tempted. It was difficult. I don't know how much he even enjoyed it. It's hard to say. When you live in the perfect place, paradise of heaven, and then you come live with us for a while, I can't imagine it was really all that great. But he says, I did it. I did it the way God wanted me to do. It is finished. His flesh died. And then the next passage, uh, it reads that he goes and sets people free, the captives free in this heaven and hell area. And that's really a discussion for another day. But his basically... That means his spirit still lived. So his flesh died on that cross. And for us, if we're going to be a disciple, 
we have like our fleshly bodies and we're called to like put that stuff aside and crucify that on a daily basis so when we notice that we're being impatient that we're getting easily angered that we're not that gentle that we're not that kind these are things that we have to deny you know put to the cross just be done with that every time that we see it and notice it that's what we're called to do and then Jesus also says, right, take an easy yoke and a light burden. What is he talking about with that then? This easy yoke and light burden is kind of like this. This is the best example I could think of, and it's not perfect, but it's close. And I use school because I'm there all the time. So it's kind of like the student in school who at the beginning of the term say, hey, listen, I know not everybody's strong in math. I understand that. I get that. I want you to do well, but you do have to learn some material. You got to learn at least 65% of the material, otherwise you're going to fail. And I know for some of you, you shouldn't even be anywhere close to that, you'll be okay. But for some of you, do the best that you can, and uh, 65 or 70 is just my, all you might get. I said, just do your best to convince me that you care about this class. Convince me of that, even if maybe you don't. Convince me. Show up for extra help. Ask questions. Come prepared. Do those things. Let's say a student takes that seriously. Happens like 1% of the time. Let's say a student takes that seriously. All right, let's say they take that seriously. Say, okay, I'm going to do what it takes. I'm going to convince Mr. Murphy that I care about this class. As soon as they're convinced of that, and they're convinced that they want to do whatever it takes to get the grade that they need in that class and convince me they care. Now, when I give homework assignments, they're not going to just give me problems with it. They're not probably going to wait till the last minute to do the extra credit. They're probably not going to hand things in late. It's not an issue because they surrendered right in the very beginning. Fine, I'm doing whatever it takes to get to this point. Totally focused on it. Now you contrast that with maybe another student who like argues about every homework assignment that's given, that's too many problems, hands stuff in late and messy all the time. Um, always wants to try and do the extra credit after the test or quiz because then they realize they did bad and it's just a struggle and fight every step of the way. It's kind of like that with this easy yoke and like burden in the sense that we can come to this place with Jesus where we just say, listen, I believe that you are the Son of God. I don't know and have all the answers. But you know what? I'm going to live life on your terms and we're going to see where I'm just going to go where you say to go. I'm just going to do that. Surrender right from the very beginning. And once we do that, it's an easy yoke. We go to heaven right away just through faith. And then now we're not going to try and pursue our own ideas of pleasure and happiness. And also trying to balance like a good moral, ethical code. The yoke is easier on Jesus' term in that way. And then we just live in that life. And if we don't, then we make a choice of saying, well, I don't know if I want to believe in that. I don't know if I want to do that. This kind of makes sense over here too. That sounds kind of good. And then we sort of come up with our own ideas and versions of what we think is right and who God is and what to do and it can be very confusing and uh, that could turn into a pretty 
a heavy yoke, especially when difficult situations and circumstances in life come up. Am I doing the right thing? Is there even the right thing? I don't even know. And how do I want to raise my kids? And what do I want their values to be? You know, I don't even know. And then guilt could creep in and start to feel bad in certain areas. And the yoke could certainly get heavy in that sense. So I think both happens. Jesus... We have this day-to-day battle going on because we can't get away from ourselves. Like, I can't run away from myself. It's just, you, many times, myself is my greatest enemy. I got the thoughts going on in here. Uh, I'm the one that's, you know, impatient and, uh, you know, not loving all the time and uh, not all that kind and gentle. Like, I'm always kindly dealing with myself and I think you probably know that about yourself. So that's the thing we has got to deal with and put on the cross. But as far as the easy yoke and the light burden... I still don't, to be totally honest, I still don't exactly know that total light and easy feeling in Jesus. I'm getting there and closer, but for someone like me, and maybe you're like me, maybe you're not, um, I think of like productivity as something that ranks high in my mind, and it's like a high value, just getting stuff done, being productive, and many times confuse activity um, with accomplishment. That's a struggle. It's a real struggle. And uh, many times, it's uh, like the last thing I want to do is come to Jesus in a quiet way and in a quiet place, you know, and give Him His time. And many times, that's the last thing I want to do. But I could also tell you that the times I have done that and been faithful, that's been some of the best moments probably in my life. And we really truly experience them. So easy yoke and a light burden. That's what Jesus offers. The question is, would we actually take him up on that deal? So what we're going to do is we're going to close uh, in one song uh, that we'll play up here. And then we'll come back together and, and uh, close in prayer.